Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the spell dancer himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I am, um... I'll go with good. Okay. I'll go with good. Kind of excited, you know? Is it, I mean, like, excited about, like, life in general, or just, like, excited about, like, magic recently? Um... So I am excited for my boss because my boss just had a baby a few hours ago. So that's exciting. Um, I'm excited because I was prepared and wrote a show notes. So this will be slightly easier than usual. Mm. Um, And I am excited for uh, Magic Philly. Magic Con Philly or whatever it's called. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. Oh, the Magic Con, Magic Fest, whatever it is. Yeah, it should be an exciting time. Uh, I'm not sure what days I'm going to be there, if at all. I don't I, at this point. I don't think I'm going to be there, but I'm definitely going to be in Philly. Um, I know there's a CEDH tournament at, at Red Caps uh, on Sunday, so I'm definitely going to be there. Um, but I, I definitely want to like stop by at least. I'll probably hang around near the venue. Um, but I, I not justifying. I feel like I can't justify buying a ticket just to buy to pay more for another event. So I'm ha- having difficulty there. But see, it's the more time you spend there, the more justifiable it is. Mm-hmm. Also, if you just win your ticket for free, like I did, then it's very easy to justify. Absolutely. So I don't know why you didn't just simply do that. Yeah, that that was my ma- main mistake here. I just should have won the ticket, and then I would be uh, have no issue there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it'll be it'll be fun. I mean, what are you planning on doing with the con? Are you uh, planning on just like? Running back a bunch of like pioneer events and get one of those ragged bands. No, I don't. I, no, why would I? <laughs> why would I do that? Um, I am playing the sealed PTQ on Friday. Okay. Um, ho- hopefully, I top for it, and then if that is the case, who knows what I do with my Saturday? My Saturday is now free. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't top for it, then I will be. You know, signing up for for the sealed PTQ on Saturday, unless I'm just like tilted off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, even if I'm a little bit tilted at the end of the day, I would probably still sign up. But if I'm like mega tilted, then I won't. I don't foresee that being the case because I don't usually get tilted. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, like everyone gets tilted sometimes. But what I do, it like it doesn't last long. Okay. You know that. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday, I got uh, roped into playing team trios with some friends. So, like, you know, I say roped in because I, it wasn't on my list of things to do, but it, it will be an enjoyable time. You know, I am hanging out with friends, playing Magic. Uh, I will be in the Legacy seat. I would rather be in Modern right now, but um, we're going with what is best for the team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'll be... I think you'd be fine in either seat, and, like, I, I feel like... It, your general rule is, right, you, I'll play anything besides Pioneer, right? That's typically what what the uh, mantra is. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically what happens. I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough to, like, this sounds really cocky, but, like, I'm good enough at Modern and Legacy that, like, when people want to team with me, I can generally just say, like, I, like, that's fine, but, like, I'm not going to do this thing I don't want to do, like... Because I'll just find a different team or not play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And either of those is doable. Uh, Like, you know, like, I'll play Pioneer for, like, RCQs and stuff. Mm. But if I have the choice between playing a format that I love right now 
a format I kind of like right now and a format I dislike, it's like, well, yeah. why, why would I play the one I dislike? That's fair. Yeah, I, I think typically when, uh, you know, me, me, you, and Ian team up, we end up in this position where, like, one of us will kind of suck it up and play Pioneer. It's like, between the three of us, I don't think any of us really, it, I don't know, are big enthusiasts of that format. Um, so usually we end up, like, trading off Pioneer back and forth, uh, which, you know, works. But it's ne- you never play the Pioneer thing. You usually play the Pioneer thing. So. Nope. Yep. <laughs> nope. Oh, man. And you know, and that works for me. We should uh, keep that the way it is. Well, and honestly, like I'm, I'm pretty well repped with with Phoenix at all times. Uh, Ian switches a lot of decks around, but he, you know, I think he's been playing the the mono white aggro deck, which he seems like he's enjoying. So you know, and I think he's been been playing mono green too lately, right? No, he's he's a mono white mono guy. White. I I've played mono green, and I will say my win percentage in Pioneer is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian's since switching to mono white is like absurd. I think he's played like three events with the deck and won two of them and lost in the top eight of the third. So it's like, yeah, just keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, yeah, it's awesome. All right, well, I do want to jump into, I guess. We're talking about you know the new set coming out. I mean, like we we just had uh, for, uh, new Phyrexia, or Phyrexia all will be one, uh, and there's a lot of cards that have been showing up a lot more than I expected. I think at least in the first couple of weeks, I know people love to try out things and say, you know, is this better than you know this established card? Like, let me try one or two of these. Oh, I wonder if I, this will work. But you know, I'm actually seeing a lot of these cards coming in and actually looking pretty impressive. Off the bat, which I, I don't think I've seen something like this, at least a high enough quantity of these cards um, from any set recently coming in and actually making an impact day, from day one. Yeah, yeah, the format, um, it's actually surprising how much one has shaken up the formats. I will say, uh, as much as I do want to get into that, you didn't, you didn't say, how are you? Are you good? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I just, I've got a lot of... A lot of plate spinning right now, so I'm just trying to keep everything, you know, upright and and spinning, and we will get through it. I it's one of those things where I, I've, I'm sure a lot of people can uh, relate to this, but it's like if I can just get to this weekend, I everything else will fall into place. And at this point, it's like if I can get to if I can get to Friday, the rest of my Weekend will be so nice. I get a four-day weekend. I can catch up on some stuff. I can, you know, relax. So that's kind of what I'm just digging for right now. It's it's a it's a long grind, uh, but I, I feel okay. Just trying to trying to keep everything going. It's difficult sometimes. Well, I believe in you. You can do it. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's let's jump in. So we can talk about uh, some of the cards that you know we've been seeing. We've been playing. Uh, from the new set and really how they've been performing, at least from you know our perspectives. Um, let's start with Mycosynth Gardens. Uh, for those who may not have seen this, uh, Mycosynth Lattice is a land. Uh, it's a not lattice. What? You you said Mycosynth Lattice. Oh, that card is banned in oh, modern. Geez, yeah. This card is a banger in modern. It is. There's a difference. Sorry. Okay. Mycosynth Gardens. There we go. Uh, it's a land, it's a sphere, which I'm not sure if that has any significance yet, but uh, it does tap for one color, uh, one colorless mana. You can pay one generic and tap it to add one color, 
one mana of any color. Uh, you can also pay X and tap it, and then the Mycothynth Gardens becomes a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. Uh, I have not actually seen this card in play yet, uh, but I've, I've seen some impressive things, uh, you know, watching streams and things like that, uh, even though I haven't uh, gone been against the table or across the table from it. Um, Is that true? Because we played yes through all two days ago mm -hmm. now. Yeah, but did I did I not put on Micasynth Gardens and apply? Nope. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know I won, and that's what truly that's matters. That's the important thing. Yes. Yes. Um, so you've been playing with it at least. I'm guessing. Well, in Amulet then. Uh, yes. So the Micasynth Gardens you have to put the there. That's true. For some reason, is it legendary? Even though it's it's not. Oh. You would think it okay. is. Just like Falakut, the Molten Pinnacle, also not legendary. So it's like Questing Beast, that's also not legendary. I, yeah, this is confusing. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so the Gardens, you might be thinking, oh, it's just Rupture Spire, like, how good can it be? Um, but obviously it's more than just a Rupture Spire, so the, I think the default thing for a lot of people was to put it into Amulet and... It turns out having multiple copies of Amulet of Vigor in play is very powerful. Um, so basically what this does for the deck is it kind of drops the average kill. Um, you know, a lot of times the goal of Amulet was to get Primeval Titan and to play by like by turn four, kind of at the latest, with or without an Amulet. Uh, and this really makes it much easier to do that by turn three, while also increasing the number of turn two kills. Uh, so when you just have Amulet on one, and then you get to copy it on two with the Mycosynth Gardens, like if you just have an Explorer or an Azusa, like you can often just win the game on the spot. So that's really powerful. Um, but even just the number of turn three kills that it helps when you just have like turn one or Saga, which will then on turn three become an Amulet of Vigor, and then copy it with the Mycosynth Gardens. It's, it's been really impressive. Um, also worth noting is, like, on its face, even though this is a colorless land, since it is, you know, you kind of, like, it's got the Rupture Spire thing where you can uh, filter mana through it, it's pretty easy on the mana. Like, I've used this to cast, like, Arboreal Grazers. I've used this to cast Swan Song. Um, so the fact that, like, it's not a good multicolor land yeah. but the fact that it can do that if you need it to is is also really nice well i was gonna say like you're you're I mean, you're playing dryad in the deck right so like the color filtering doesn't seem like it's like super important all the time uh so it depends different people have gone down different routes with the deck some people are still on dryad some people aren't there are definitely benefits to both um so I did mention last week, like, Edgar Magaes is back on the deck, and he is a big proponent of no dryad. Um, he likes going very linear, and one of the pros of that is you get to be slightly faster, right? Like, Explore uh, facilitates those turn two kills in a way that dryad doesn't. Um, and so you get to just play four Explorer, four Azusa, and really be streamlined in on that kill, so much to the point where, like, He's back on Pact of Negation to back him up, and it's just all in. But you do lose kind of that backup plan of having those Dryad kills or being able to mow down creatures with Dryad and Falakut. 
Um, the other upside, too, is your mana is smoother because you don't have to play Valakut, mm. which is like kind of a clunker sometimes. Um, but then some people, like uh, Dom Harvey, I know, uh, is big on just cutting Explore and still playing the Dryad, and a couple other people have tried it. Um, and you get the upside of getting to play Dryad. <laughs> Dryad is really nice if your opponent plays a Blood Moon, you, and as long as you have one Forest, Dryad can come down and kind of let you function. Um, it's very good against creature decks when you can just, like, foul cut people out. Sometimes Primeval Titan attack for 20 or more, as silly as it sounds, is not enough. <laughs> so having the Dryad as backup is really nice. Um, if your opponent necromancios you, having something other than, like, a one-of Cultivator Colossus to actually close out the game is really nice. So there's definitely benefits to both. The Dryad version is still a little bit slower than the non-Dryad version, but it's still like very good at getting turn three kills, which is a good place to be. Yeah, it seems like a pretty solid place for Mycosynth Gardens. The, sorry, the Mycosynth Gardens. Uh, yes, Billy, please get it right. I, I, I'm trying here. It's hard. It's difficult. I mean, like the card, I mean, it's obviously an amulet to it, but like I'm seeing it other places too. Um, I've seen it, and I need you to explain this to me, because I don't understand what it's doing there. What's it doing in the Gyruda deck? That deck has definitely popped up a lot more on Magic Online. I would say a lot more, but, I mean, compared to the rates it was playing at before. Uh, what's the Mycosense Gardens doing in Gyruda? Right, so switching to Legacy to look at um, the Gyruda deck, um, Max Dorshin and X-Ray Cloud have been putting in work to this deck. I do not believe together, um, but both individually working on it, and... You know, you might remember the Gyruda decks from when Companions were everywhere, and the deck had a really high win rate, Bob Wong was, like, murdering people left and right with it. And one of the things it did was it used LEDs to be really explosive. But then, you know, they changed the Companion rule, everything slowed down. So the Mike Sith Gardens is really strong in that deck because you can copy an LED, and unlike a lot of artifacts, you don't actually need to tap LED to make mana. So if you just go turn, like, turn two, or like turn one land, turn two, Mycosynth Gardens, you go LED, maybe you have a second LED if you're super lucky, and then you can just copy an LED with the Mycosynth Gardens, and all of a sudden you can play your Gyruda mm. on turn two. Um, so it really just kind of speeds things up in that regard. And you can also, like, find your... LEDs with Urza Saga, and then copy it with Mycosynth Gardens that way. Um, and you're just doing the same thing that Dax has always done, right? You're trying to play Gyruda, put in a bunch of clones, and then your opponent dies at the end of it. Um, and they, they've actually upgraded the clones, too, which are not necessarily cards from one. But, like, I don't know if you've seen the new Sakashima, which is a card they didn't have access to back before the companion rules changed. Mm. So I know that has improved the quality of their deck. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it definitely that definitely helps with getting that density a little higher. Um, I mean, and like, I'm seeing there some other decks, too, that Mycosynth Gardens has shown up in. Um, you had, like, a Mystic Forge combo, um, which I've seen online a little bit more as well. Um, but also, like, in the, the blue uh, Riddlesmith deck, uh, as well as, like, the Epic Gamble. Like, is it... Is Mycosynth Garden is a huge addition to those decks as much as it is Amulet and Gyruda? Yeah, so I haven't seen as as much of those decks in action. Um, 
obviously, since I am playing Amulet, <laughs> I'm not playing those decks. I don't know how big of an upgrade it is. I think it's... I mean, it's kind of doing the same thing in those decks, right? It's copying LED. I have to imagine it's good. It seems to me like the one it would be best in is that big gamble. Um, but we'll certainly see soon enough, I'm sure. I, like, I know for a fact Tony Scaponi has tried it. Mm. I don't know what his findings or results were, but I'm sure we'll get a definitive answer out of him sooner or later. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, the card's just very good in combo decks. I, I didn't have this one listed in the show notes, but I know I've also heard talk of it in Hammer. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't I don't know how good it is there because I think it makes your mana too much worse. But like if you were on core outfitters, um and like kind of the slower build, like I know this works kind of well because like you can still filter it into the white and then you can like turn it into a hammer and then the core outfitters can come down and just like attach the hammer or like the pure soul paladin can come down and attach it afterwards mm. so or it can regent oh yeah another new card yeah that card's pretty sweet uh cool all right well let's talk about another one that i think has been very popular it's been showing up and uh, showing up a lot in conversations i think about how potent it actually is uh attracts a grand unifier um, this is just a block of text, so I'm going to roll through this <laughs> real quick. Uh, it's three generic and a green, a white, a blue, and a black. It has uh, flying, vigilance, death touch, and lifelink. It's a 7-7 seven, seven Phyrexian angel. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you reveal the top ten cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand, the rest onto the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, so... This is interesting, right? Like, I'm not exactly sure what to compare it to. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, Niv Mythic Reborn in a way, right? Because, you know, you're getting cards based on certain criteria, but you're only getting one of it per. So it, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I'm trying to think what the name of that one is. Uh, Mold Ultra, where like where you had one card type of each, so you need to kind of plan out how it works. So your deck needs to be built in a specific way, so you can actually utilize all of the effects. Or maybe you just need to utilize enough of them, right? Like, you know, we we've got a artifact battle, which we're not even going to get into right now. Um, creature enchantment, instant land, planeswalker, and sorcery, right? So I think and tribal. And well, I think I think the battle is supposed to be an updated tribal. That's what I'm guessing. That is not correct. It's not it's a different one. Battle is a new card type that has not yet been uh, premiered. Okay, well, I'm just... They're, they're doing the same thing they did with Tarmogoyf and Planeswalker. Uh, Mark Rosewater did confirm that. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, well, I'm interested to see what Battle is. I'm surprised they didn't put Tribal on here, then. I guess they haven't printed... So they didn't put Tribal because they do not make cards. They're not planning to ever print, like, more cards with Tribal. Interesting, okay. So they just, you know... Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, I that and they, they can get away with it because this is reminder text, not rolled text. That's true. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm interested to see how, um, you know, how many modes of this you would need to hit. Like, you know, obviously if I'm playing my mono creature deck, I'm probably not going to want this effect. But, you know, obviously most decks in Modern and Legacy don't just play one, um, you know, card type. We've got at least land and creature, so we're up to two. But, uh this is showing up in a couple different places. I think people are still trying to figure out what to do with this card. Yeah. So 
It's funny to me. You were trying to think of something to compare it to. The card I've seen it compared to the most is Gristlebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that this is has replaced Gristlebrand. It's the best creature to cheat into play. And I, I'm not going to say that is true or false. Mm-hmm. I have not actually played against it yet. I will say I definitely don't want either this or Gristlebrand put into play against me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this this card is just going in things that cheated into play, like Creativity and Modern and Pioneer, Reanimator and Modern Pioneer and Legacy. Uh, Peter Vanderham has a cool like Natural Order show and tell deck. I've seen a couple other people trying that too. Um, and the card definitely seems really impressive in all of those. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. I, I, so my big issue, I'll, I'll say that, with like being compared to Grithlebrand, like Grithlebrand, obviously, in my mind, the big issue with both of those cards, Grithlebrand and Atraxa, is that they're both legends, right? I, you're gonna get hit by Caracas either way. I, I really like Archon of Cruelty. Like I, I just feel like Archon has proven itself to be a more resilient threat, a harder threat to get off the battlefield overall. Obviously, drawing seven cards in that first push are really nice, but like you can't always just pay seven life, which I think is one of the reasons why Atraxa is a little bit better, right? You um, d- don't have to worry about paying life to get the cards. You just get the cards. You can't get the quantity of cards, but hopefully 10 cards is enough to get you an answer if you need one or uh, another way to get a threat from you know another indomitable creativity or find another... Uh, exhume or something like that but i don't know i i I think it's definitely a good supplement to gristle brand but i feel like just calling it straight up better is is a difficult thing for me to say yeah i i generally think when people say one card is better or worse than another they're being silly Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think the point you made about it just kind of immediately doing its thing is really relevant, right? Like I've definitely had Gristle Brands come down on my opponent's side where my opponent's at like five life and I'm just like, okay, I'll start Sapasha as your Gristle Brand. And then they, they get nothing. <laughs> like, yes, they're gaining the seven life and that's so great for them, but like, who cares? This comes down, you don't have to worry about your life total. Like you can be at one and it'll still have an effect. Yeah. Um, I also think Vigilance is like shockingly relevant. Oh yeah. Because I've had like, my opponents attack with their gristle brand, and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm a Merrillage, so <laughs> I will attack, and now you're dead. Um, and like with this, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about just dying on the crackback because it's still there with vigilance to uh, to block whatever and gain you even more life. So I think that is really huge. Um, and then the other thing that I think is especially big for Legacy is the fact that it's blue. Mm-hmm. Reanimator, you know, we think of it as this red-black deck, but if you're like me, you still call it red-black Reanimator because you remember when blue-black Reanimator was the deck of choice. And we're seeing a resurgence of that. Uh, I mentioned Peter Vanderham and his uh, Natural Order show-and-tell deck, Mm -hmm. but I believe he actually copied it definitely the Saturday challenge, but I want to say both challenges this weekend, playing blue-black Reanimator. Okay. and, you know, just having threats that you can pitch to Force of Will, I think, is really huge. So, I, it, it's kind of nice seeing the good the good old-fashioned list come back. You know, seeing hapless researcher at work <laughs> again. 
I love that card. Uh, I was going to say, too, I, I think it's interesting, like, being all those colors, like, I'm not sure what deck wants to do this, right? But having the ability to pitch this to your Endurance, or your Solitude, or your Subtlety, or your Force of Will, or your Grief. Like, th- that flexibility, I feel like, is really nice. And, you know, I could imagine this possibly in the... Uh, I, I literally always forget the name of the, the red uh, suspense spell that, like, has, like, the Warp World uh, effect. I, Glimpse. Glimpse of Tomorrow, yes. Uh, no. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Mm. No? No. Glimpse? Glimpse something. Hmm. Y'all know what you're talking about. The, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The red. We all know. We're all good. We're all good. Cool. Well, uh, It is Glimpse of Tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. Good. I, I gotta trust myself here. Uh, talking about trusting myself, uh, let's talk about Elish Norn, which I think is another card that was really hyped up during preview season. Um, one, I think people really love the fact that Elish Norn had, is called Mother of Machines, and it's also just, you know, M-O-M Mom, so it's kind of the, the cult vibe from, uh, which I know is a card you love. Um, but, you know, Elish Norn has some pretty strong effects here, right? It's four generic and a white for a... Uh, Legendary Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, it's a 4 7 with Vigilance, which is a huge body. Um, and if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Uh, but also, permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponent's control to trigger. Uh, it, both pretty powerful effects, I think, for modern or legacy. Or CDH, too. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very confused by your transition there. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> I'm trying here. I'm trying. Yeah, I don't... I didn't get it. Like, I don't know if I just missed it, but... I mean, I could try the transition again. I, I mean, I could, I could work it. I don't nope, know. Nope, no editing. One shot, one take. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, this card's... This card's gross. Um, I haven't had it resolved against me yet, but... You know, I've had Torpor Orb resolved against me, and I know that card's annoying. And this one is just like Super Torpor Orb on a stick. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't want to see it. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, and it definitely has some, I don't think, interesting uh, things about it. Like, one, I think you, you mentioned, like, it's really good in the Elementals deck. Like, you've got a lot of come-into-play effects, and doubling them or, you know in a lot of situations, is pretty, pretty good. Especially when you're talking about copying something like a Solitude or an Omnath trigger. Uh, maybe even like a Risen Reef trigger I'm I'm down for. Yeah. Oh my god, copying Risen Reef is gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, copying Fury is Oof. super gross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this card, it just, it does a lot. And, uh, like I said... The Torpor Orb part is nothing to laugh at either. Like, it shuts off Thassa's Oracle out of the Breach decks. It kind of stops Primeval Titan. It does stop Cultivator Colossus. Um, it stops Opposing Elementals, like if you're on the Mirror. It stops Atraxa, the card we were just talking about. It stops Archon. Like, th- this card is really good. It just shuts off so many things. Well, and... Anytime you have an effect like this where it's like it's saying no to your opponent and giving you a benefit at the same time, like that's a lot. And you know, five mana is not cheap, but the elemental stack is 
really good at playing the long game and generating mana anyways, right? Like, you're already playing a deck with Renin Six and Risen Reef, so, like, your lands are entering play, and you can just play one or two copies of this card and then Eladonri's Call. Yeah, not to mention, like, four, four power is great. Seven toughness is a ton. Like, that is, that is not something I really want to trifle with, and, like, having to throw away, like, you know, two lightning bolts or something like that, uh, plus trade your creature away is not a really effective way to get rid of a card like this. But, like, depending on what you're playing, like, that might be the best option. Uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of the the mono-red, uh, I guess, Saga deck, right, we were talking about it on the show last week. And, you know, having it shut down your experimental... Uh, my, I keep wanting to call it Experimental Frenzy. Uh, the Experimental... Uh, synthesizer. Synthesizer, thank you. Um, makes that card really bad. Um, that's not why I'm playing that card, and having to lose that effect is really brutal. So, and there's a lot of cards like that in the format. Like, Stoneforge Mystic is obviously fine, but I'm not playing it because it puts artifacts into play. I'm playing it because it gets them into my hand, and then I can put them into play for free. Uh, but I would like my card, please. Um Having that just be kind of stapled on and essentially above, you know, things like Fatal Push or Lightning Bolt or Galvanic Blast, or I think especially right now, Unholy Heat, being a one bigger, which seems intentional, uh, is makes this card a lot better than I think uh, I imagined initially. Yeah, I... This card is silly. Uh, have you played yet against Jace the Perfected Mind? Uh, I have played with Jace the Perfected Mind. Ooh. How was that? Uh, I mean, it was good. It was unlimited, so okay. not quite what we're uh, here to talk about. Yeah, I played, it. but but it did happen. <laughs> I I played against it once so far. Uh, for those who do not know, uh, Jace the Perfected Mind uh, is a planeswalker. Believe it or not, uh, it is two generic, one blue and one Phyrexian blue. Uh, it is completed, which means you can uh, obviously pay le less for it, but it comes in with less loyalty. Um, and it has a couple abilities, um, just to go through them pretty quickly. Uh, plus one, you get to give target creature negative three, negative O. Uh, minus two, uh, target player mills three. And then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw a card. And then the minus X is target player mills uh, three times X card. So you mill, you you know, minus four, they mill 12 cards. So uh, the card is, I mean, one thing, I guess, small thing. Uh, I actually saw it in a deck that had uh, Giganta as the companion. I was like, I don't understand how that works. Like, that's, that's not, that's double blue. Uh, apparently it's not double blue. It is the Phyrexian blue, which apparently is distinct from a an actual blue. So you can play it in a deck with Gigantha, which is really cool. Um, but the the card is, I mean, really annoying. It actually reminds me a lot of um, a, a previous Jace that, you know, gave the opposing players, uh, ne creatures, negative one, negative zero, which made it really difficult to get in. Uh, in the format right now, especially when you're talking about something like Mill, can pretty effectively deal with the small creatures and something a little bigger, um, something maybe with, like, four power, if talking about, like, a, you know, maybe it's opponent's Elish Norn. Uh, putting that from one, uh, four power down to one power means he can get blocked by something like a Ruin Crab or a Heatron Crab pretty effectively now. So it actually helps to kind of defend your life total. Yeah, the card is... 
the cards like actually pretty impressive. I will say I'm I, I am a little bit shocked to have see it having as much of an effect as it is having, mm-hmm. but it is good. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I think you definitely need to be in the right deck. Like, you know, we've seen other Jaces that, like, you know, I can just throw a Jace of Mind Sculptor in the sideboard, and it's, it's a, at least fine. Uh, this is not one of those cards. I, I do think you want to be on that mill strategy. I don't really see this slotting into a, a non-mill deck. Uh, or So, I will say, a friend of ours, Harley, who we had on the show a while ago, mm-hmm. um, has been playing this card in Shadow. Oh. Uh, and he said it, like... Tagging um, to just his opponent's creatures sometimes has been relevant. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I think making a Ragavan not deal damage if it connects with you is not nothing. But also just uh, getting it, its minus ability and milling yourself to help fill, uh, fuel an Underworld Breach mm. is a thing, too. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, I mean, and I guess if you're... You know, putting it to play on, we'll say, turn three plus, it goes back up to four, and then suddenly you're just like, yeah, I'll just mill myself for 12. Like, that's that's enough. <laughs> I had to get that breach going. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely I could see that in some other shell. Maybe we will see it in, in more, you know, more decks. Um, maybe not as many as Mercurial Spell Dancer and Minor Misstep. I feel like those two are kind of a package deal. Uh, in a lot of ways. Um, it, once again, I guess we should probably start at one at a time, though. Um, let's start with the Mercurial Spell Dancer, which is a card I know you and I are both kind of fond of. Uh, it is a one generic and a blue for a Phyrexian Rogue. Uh, it cannot be blocked. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you put an oil counter on Mercurial Spell Dancer, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may remove two oil counters from it. Uh, when you do, you may cast the next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell, you may choose new targets for it. We've talked about this card uh, a little bit ago, I think at the end of uh, two episodes ago, I think. Um, have you actually gotten to see this card in action yet? Uh, I have not. Okay. You know it. I didn't buy this card, and I have regrets because it has over doubled in price. Yes, I also have regrets. I I was gonna buy a playset at like five dollars, like for the playset, and I was like, eh, I'll wait. I don't know why I did that. That was dumb. I'm gonna play this card eventually, and this card is you know <laughs> doing really really well. Um, I saw uh, Samantha Murphy, who also was a guest on our show, uh, playing this in a doom like a tempo Tuesday style like um you know she's been switching out the two drops sometimes she's playing young pyromancer sometimes she's playing you know other creatures um your girl spell dancer was very good uh i saw her have two um <laughs> two oil counters from both of them and then cast expressive iteration and you know essentially draw six cards for two mana and that's it's pretty good i'm pretty happy with it so it's definitely a card i want to see um hopefully in my decks going forward yeah, I, I definitely do want to play around with this card at some point, um, or at least see it played out. I, I've actually heard mixed things about it so far. Hmm. Have you only really seen positive? Um, I, the the big things I've seen that have been negative is it it is a one-toughness creature. Um, it doesn't play defense particularly well because of that, right? It's, I mean, two power, two power for two mana, it's it, just a Goblin Piker. Um, same thing you could say for Dreadhorde Arcanus, which is a, a card I think it's been most often compared to, but 
Uh, having three toughness, I think, is better than having two power, um, if we're going to be copying spells anyways. Um, also, like, you really do need to connect to get any advantage. I, I do... I do also... I don't like the idea that, like, if you don't have the thing that you need, like, you know, I I have the... Uh, I'm trying to think of a decent example. I have the Brainstorm, right? Um, and I'm just trying to draw some cards. Like, Brainstorm doesn't get you out of it, but obviously I think looking at, you know, potentially six cards, if you can pair it with a, a fetch land, makes it good enough. But you still have to have the card in hand in order to get the effect. So... I don't know. Uh, what what negative things have you heard about it? Um, so first, I, I want to fight back on your, like, getting getting through with it can be difficult, because the card's unblockable. Well, no, no, but being in a position where you want to um, actually attack. Like, you, you don't always want to attack. Sometimes you just want to block. Uh, but putting your... Nah, I always want to attack. Yeah, I mean, sure. I also would, lo- I would love to always attack, but it's just not the reality. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. That's what I have to say to that. Noted. Um, anyways, I have seen, like, uh, complaints like, yes, casting expressive iteration twice sounds really good, mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes, you know, it's hard for you to actually take advantage of that mm-hmm. uh, because I think people um, are naturally putting this in decks where you, you're trying to play a low-to-the-ground kind of game, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're just trying to chain cantrips and, like, you know, the typical tempo-y style. Um, and so if you're doing that, you're not always flush with mana. So, like, if you cast Expressive Iteration twice, like, can you even play the cards you get off of it? Mm-hmm. Um, which, in, in my head, I, I don't really see that being an issue. Uh, you know, even in those decks, you play Mystic Sanctuary. So, like, you're, you're trying to get to four mana anyways, so I just think you have to adjust the way you play a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think that's fine. Um, and then I've seen complaints with, like, oh, this card incentivizes you to play, like, Urza's and Mishra's Bobbles, so you can, like, get the counters on it fast, but then uh, that's not something that you can copy with it. But I think that's kind of silly, too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> honestly, like... They'll, they'll crack and they'll just draw you into the cards that you will end up copying, I imagine. Uh, I You know, I do think this card probably requires people to adjust the way they're building decks. Like, I don't think you just throw it into Delver and go, okay, like, <laughs> I fixed it. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think that's it. Yeah. Um, I imagine in the Grixis shells that we've seen lately with Snuff Out, this card seems great. Like, copying Snuff Out, that's a lot of life. But if you're just killing two things for zero mana, like... That's also <laughs> really, really strong. Um, I've heard people talk about like playing Preordain again, which I think makes more sense with this card. It was the same thing with like Dreadhorde Arcanist. When that was around, I know some people started playing Preordain to like kind of maximize that card, and I think it's a similar thing here. Um, in addition, I think more people could copy the Daniel Gultrell School of Thought and perhaps cut Wastelands from Delver. Mm-hmm at this point and just kind of or whatever tempo we deck and just kind of accept hey i'm trying to play a longer game here and you know i'm going to make my land drops and i'm going to use my land drops to you know cast spells off of like double expressive iteration and then i'm going to just murder you because i cast two expressive iterations the past two turns mm-hmm. and that's just like nuts yeah you know so 
Yeah, I, I think that... I, I think you're right, too. I think something like... I, mean, I think I don't want to say this is silly, but like I think playing something like Spell Pierce actually makes a lot more sense with something like this. Obviously, not the card you probably want to copy, uh, but having something that you can actually play and allow yourself to be a little bit more defensive with. Obviously, Daze is a, a wonderful spell, as is Force of Will, but like you don't always have that. Uh, being able to kind of go up on those kinds of effects so you can actually copy some... Uh, you know, well, I guess protect your spell dancer in the first place, but also, you know, counter those uh, Chalice of the Voids that have been become more popular recently. I mean, we've seen a lot of things from Initiative uh, that are problematic, right? So I think Spell Pierce is just good and, you know, potentially good in that matchup anyways. Um, having that to protect your spell dancer, I think, helps. Also helps to uh, turn on the, or act, put an oil counter on it. I, I think there's a lot of extra... There should be a lot of uh, emphasis on trying to, like you said, make the deck work a little bit better for the spell dancer. Um, and I think starting with the wasteland is obviously a good place to start too. But I think also working with the spell suite. So I don't. I get where you're coming from with the spell peers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think I would want to see if, uh, like, if we're already splashing black for a snuff out. I would kind of like to see thoughtsies where I think he would probably have Spell Pierce. Okay. Uh, just because I th- think, you know, this card incentivizes you to play proactive spells. Mm. Uh, it's, although it's definitely possible if you're playing Thoughtseize and Snuff Out, you're just killing yourself too fast. Yeah. So maybe I need to slow my roll there. Or maybe you get Death Shadows in there. Um, oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I have not played with the card yet, and so these are all just kind of loose ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Definitely, if I find time, this seems like the kind of card I will play around with for a bit. And then, you know, my opponents and I will both resolve Murktide Regent. I'll remember <laughs> how much I do not enjoy the current blue-red mirrors. And mm-hmm. I'll stop for a bit, and then, uh, you know, I'll pray that Murktide gets banned. And then I'll be all over this card. Um, the So my wish list is still at this point is to just copy a uh, Treasure Cruise with this thing. Um, I think a more... A more tempered goal, at least, would be to copy a Charter Course. You know, draw four cards for two mana in Pioneer, but we will get to that eventually. Um, I Also, I, I feel like if you're going to be playing this card, you know, maybe the one mana spell you actually want is Minor Misstep, right? That's a card that has been popping up more in that flex spot. You can see it kind of has a two of in some Delver lists. Um it's looked really good um, from the things I've seen, like, you know, being able to counter, uh, I think it, I think I saw it counter a Noble Hierarch today, um, also saw, saw it counter a Young Wolf, uh, but it's countered Swords to Plowshares and Lightning Bolts, uh, Fatal Pushes, like, it does a little bit of everything. I think everyone, for the most part, is playing pretty effective spells right now, uh, low on the mana curve, um, and if you can, you know, tag something, you know, proactive, like, uh, we'll say a uh, elvish reclaimer um or you know something that is you know threatening you like a pyroblast with a one mana spell like this i think that's pretty good yeah i really like the art on minor misstep sorry i know we're not like an art podcast <laughs> but i haven't actually seen anybody talk about the art i just want to say i really like the art yeah it's, it's um, very reminiscent of um uh force negation yes Yes, it is. I definitely agree with you there. Mm. Um, and I kind of like, I don't know if like the thought is like it's countering lightning bolt in the picture, but like I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. 
And is that is that Curse Catcher in there, or uh, is that in my head? No, it, it definitely looks like Curse Catcher, or what was that? Yeah, the newer update to Curse Catcher, uh, the two mana one that's running on Buck and Modern. Uh, I know what you're talking about, um, but I can't think of the name of it. Also, I just looked at the art of Curse Catcher, and this card looks nothing like Curse Catcher, so I'm just <laughs> way off. Uh, <laughs> right. But I, you know, I still like the art. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, there's there's a lot of really strong one drops to counter. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is I haven't actually, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, it doesn't trade up on mana ever." You want cards that can trade up on mana, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people counter with, "Oh, it stops." Um, Cascade spells in modern, so it's like you countered a three mana spell, okay. which I think is also a good point. I've, I haven't heard a single person so far mention uh, countering a dash Bragavan seems huge, Ooh, yeah. like because that is still, uh, or does does dash change the no. dash doesn't change the CMC? I it does not. No, it's still it's still one mana spell. Like, unless there's something I'm missing. Nope. No, you're correct. I mean, it's the same thing with, um, what's that card called? Uh, the two-mana evoke spells, uh, like Shriek Maul and stuff like that. It's still, it's a five-mana spell in the stack. So, yeah, that's that's actually an interesting point, too. And that's actually, you know, obviously, a very common card in the, in the modern format. So, that's actually a really good way to actually trade up on mana. And it's a way to be able to deal with one on the draw, right? If they decide to dash in and it'll turn two, you can just, you know, counter it. So, it's interesting. Yeah, so, this is a card, uh, it's showing up in a lot of places. I kind of expect it to continue showing up in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I expect it to be, like, a four of or anything anywhere. No. Um, and I, I still have a hard time knowing, like, Yes, I think this card is good, but like, is it actually better than Spell Pierce? Is it better than Spell Snares? Is it better than Flusterstorm? And and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Like, I don't think you can really call it better or worse. Mm-hmm. I think it's just different. And I think there are times you will want this card, and there are times you want the others. And I, I imagine more often than not, the correct answer is really going to be to have a split. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it'll depend somewhat on your matchups. But like, I am interested and seeing how prevalent this card becomes it was in i think it won both legacy challenges this weekend i could be wrong about that i think it was in the final like i think it was in both final stacks on saturday maybe the same thing sunday um don't quote me on that because i'm too lazy to pull up the decks and check not worth it but (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean the card is it's definitely seeing play I've largely seen people saying they're happy with it. I have seen a couple people say, okay, I played it, it sucked. Um, so the jury's still out, but I think it is probably good. Yeah, I, I think as long as the format continues to be aggressive and play um, very mana-efficient spells and powerful spells at that, like I think Minor Misstep at least is worth considering, um, You know, especially in a, in a place where we're playing the spell pierces, the Fluster Storms, the Pyroblasts, the Hydroblasts. Um, Minor misstep seems like a, a very good option for a lot of people. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen... I haven't seen this yet, but I've heard people talk about it. Uh, Venerated Rot Priest? Is it a, a card? Uh, I actually played one game of... Or one match on Moto this morning, and I played against uh, Venerated Rot Priest. I have also uh, seen a number of people playing it in Modern, and I have also played against it in Standard. Oh, interesting. 
and and limited. Okay. So it, for those who haven't seen Venerated Rot Priest, uh, it is one green for a Phyrexian Druid. It has Toxic One, uh, and which means whenever it deals combat damage, uh, the the creature, sorry, the po- person also gets a uh, poison counter. Um, but whenever a creature you control becomes a target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So it, it seems like it, the hype was to try to build up a giant storm count and then like target your creature a bunch and murder them with it. Yeah, um, and I do want to talk about it in in fact also, but yeah, I think you are right that the majority of the thought has been on playing it in Storm. Um, and so right before one, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Caleb um, Caleb Shear had been working on Red Green Storm a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you followed any of his progress. No, not too much. Okay, uh, it looked interesting. I... I have most of the cards. I do want to try it out at some point, either online or in person. I haven't had the chance to actually watch a stream. That would probably be the easiest thing to do, actually. Um, but basically, this card just got to slot right into that. And yeah, you just do kind of what you would expect. You play like your Rituals, your Manamorphoses. You play the Red-Green Electromancer dude. Um, I know that's not his name. It's like Archimancer or something. Yeah, Goblin uh, and Archimancer. Uh, but you uh, play those, you play Galphonic Relays, and you just build up a Storm Count, and then you're like, okay, I will uh, uh, Ground Rift my Venerated Rot Priest, take some poison. Oh, you're dead. Hmm. Oh, crazy. Um, I've I've also seen without the Ground Rift, because you can just play Grape Shot, um, which Grape Shot works for the Natural Kill anyways, Hmm. or if you have the Rot Priest... Uh, it doesn't matter if the copies resolve, as long as it becomes the target, it works. Uh, I've also seen this card get paired with Spellskite, which is really cute, because uh, it's whenever any oh. creature you control becomes the target. Okay. So if you have a spell uh, and you have Spellskites, you can just bounce bounce back and forth between them. So basically, it becomes pay Phyrexian blue mana, target opponent gets a poison counter, which is really cute um and if you have like two venerated rock priests then you know you're like almost certainly killing them Mm -hmm. that's interesting okay yeah it's definitely a card that like it it sounds like it is very neat and i I do like the interaction with things like um the spell sky i just haven't i just can't imagine that deck being one that i'm like oh man this is the thing i want to do um in having a a red green storm deck, well, obviously I, I think think cards like Galvanic Relay is very powerful. Uh, I'm sure you're playing things like Manamorphose and all that fun stuff. I just don't see it. I think I think, I think I'd have to actually play the deck or play against it uh, extensively to to try to see the the value of it. Uh, it's just a card that's hard for me to imagine as is. My understanding of the storm decks both with and without Rock Priest, is that it plays out better than it looks on paper. Okay. Okay. Um, I I think that Rock Priest... I'll be honest, I don't know how good it is in the Storm deck. I have to imagine that deck is actually kind of just better without it. I think it probably diverges the plan a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But it it is powerful. Um, it can kill you as quick as turn two i don't think it's like a consistent turn two by any means um my match against it today was was 
just kind of like us both doing our thing because I was on Amulet. Mm. Uh, it was like I killed him, turn two, I think, game one. Threw a blocker because Amulet's gross. Of course. Um, <laughs> then, then they like killed me, turn three, game two, and then I killed them like turn three, game three. Um, so, <laughs> but like, you know, they killed me on turn three. Like their deck can definitely go fast. Um, and the Rat Priest only needs to be in turn for like one spell, right? Yeah. You can storm off, go Venerated Rat Priest, ground burst it, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, for those for those at home thinking about how to kill someone on turn two, or like you can play Rat Priest in one, and then on turn two, Manamorphoth, 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 and then um, a second Rot Priest, and mm-hmm. Ground Rift, and they're dead. And obviously, there, there's other ways you could do it, too, that are, you know, less... <laughs> less extreme than having all four of your metamorphoses, but it is possible, and uh, the deck is capable of doing it. So it's a thing to kind of keep an eye out for. Yeah, especially, like, you know, you could also start off turn two with a ritual into metamorphose into the whatever we said it was called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the not-goblin electromancer guy, yeah. then keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Storm deck is certainly one way that you could build this. Um, I've seen it in Normal, in fact, too, in both Modern and Legacy. Okay. And I know some people definitely have the complaint, oh, well, it's not an infect card. When you pump it, like, they don't take more infect damage, so, like, it doesn't make the cut. But, like, that's kind of nonsense, because if you pump it, they, they do actually <laughs> take more infect damage. Yeah. Um, and... I just don't think you necessarily need to attack with it. Like, it's kind of becomes another spell skite almost. Like, they kind of have to kill it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, like, it does take damage from, away from other creatures. And, like, again, if they target it with, like, a lightning bolt, you can just mutagenic growth it and still, and your guy will live, and they'll take poison, uh, which is not something that would happen if you were saving something else with a mutagenic growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the fact that it comes down on one as another creature that even can just ship in once or twice is actually, I think pretty good. Like, I do think this is a big upgrade. Like I, I think if you put this in your deck, you do want to slightly change the way the deck is built, but I also think you can literally just slot four of these into modern or legacy. In fact, and it is probably an upgrade. Yeah, I, I, but I think the, it, going back to your example, like, they cast Lightning Bolt, they target it, they get a Poison Counter, you cast Mutagenic Growth, you target it, they get another Poison Counter, like, for an, an investment on your end of, you know, a card into life, like, that's a pretty good thing. Um, but also, like, the number of times that you, you know, you have your Glycinder Elf, you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna pump, I'm gonna pump, I'm gonna pump, and then I'm going to attack, and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna kill it. Like, sure, but, like, you're still taking four infect. <laughs> um, there's a lot of situations where the, the deck just gets to a point where it's, like, they have seven poison or they have eight poison. I just need to sneak in those last two points. Like, I don't even need to sneak them in. I just need to target my my creature two more times. Like, I'm just going to cast Rot Priest and here's two pump spells I don't care about. It's, it's summoning sick, but you're still dead. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And the other thing about that is, like, you're talking about killing without attacking mm-hmm. it also gets through ensnaring bridge that way yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and like ensnaring bridge has never been like 
the top tier card against Infect, but like it's certainly good in that matchup, and <laughs> this certainly beats it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, they're not on our show notes, but I do think we should touch on the other cards that are good for Infect strategies while we're here. Sure. Um, the new, um, what is it? The, the the legend, the one white it costs a single white mana. Oh yeah, the might that. Yes, Skylev, I think it is called. My, my brain always wants to call it Skrillex, which is definitely not the name of the card. However, it probably should just be it's, called Skrillex. It's not that far off. No. <laughs> um, oh, man, I am unprepared. I am sorry. Unbelievable. Uh, the professionalism yeah. that we have on this cast, second to none, as I start um, to try to find the name myself. <laughs> yeah, it's... So, it's Skrillex. 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 Um, I was I was close. Yeah, close. Yeah. Anyways, Skrelf Defector might. This card costs single white mana. It's got Toxic One, and it's similar to Mother Runes. Um, I should say also it can't block. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can pay a Phyrexian white mana and tap it. Choose a color. Another target creature you control gains Toxic One and Hexproof from that color until end of turn. It also can't be blocked by a creature of that color this turn. Uh, and I know Anurag tried this card in Legacy, in fact, and was really impressed with it. I've seen some haters and doubters, but I do think this card has a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. People have been like, oh, why don't you play Mother Friends? Well, there's a couple things. One, it's got the same thing where it's got the Toxic 1, so if you have no creatures out, you can just kill your opponent with this. Um, another thing is it gives Hexproof and not Shroud, which is actually pretty big because like if your opponent has let's say a tarmogoyf out you know you, you kind of want to target your creature with mother Froon so you can get through but then like you might want to use pump spells afterwards like if i you know give my guy pro green to get through and then you just like i don't know unholy heat it mm-hmm. like i'm just big sad <laughs> but like with it having hexproof I can still just target it and save my guy, yep. and that's really big. Um, and the other thing is toxic stacks. So if like if I was targeting my rot priest, it would get toxic one twice. So it would still it would deal two poison when it gets through, or like the creature could have infect and poison. So like you know your glistener elf would deal two poison damage. So it it's almost like it's pumping them as well as giving them protection at the same time. So you know, I don't think you can play four of this card because it is legendary, but it's got a lot going for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely a very impressive card. I'm, that's another one I definitely want to try. Go back and try to actually play some Infect, uh, just because of that card. Um, I we, I know we have to wrap up soon, um, but I do want to at least finish up talking about Tyvar, which I know is a card that y- you're not sure about. I think I'm coming to a conclusion. On uh, Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, it's uh, one generic, a black, and a green uh, for a planeswalker. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though they uh, those creatures had haste. Untap up to one target creature if it's plus one, and then minus two, uh, mill three cards, and you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I, I've just been seeing it show up in, I don't know if they random places, it, it typically ends up with Devoted Druid, which I don't think is obviously a bad thing for it. Um, but the Devoted Druid decks have tried to transition in the past 
I guess, two years at this point, into playing alongside Stoneforge Mystic, being able to put in uh, a bunch of things, but mainly the uh, Luxier, which is like the new artifact we got from New, new Capenna. So in that one shell, I, I like a lot of things that it's doing, you know, being able to give your uh, devoted druid haste, uh, being able to actually be untapped and produce mana if you need to, uh, also allowing you to play your Stoneforge Mystic and be able to tap it and put in, you know, a, a, an equipment that turn. So maybe you get that, you know, with the Devoted Druid on turn two, or I guess Mana Dork on turn one, Tyvar on turn two, um, you can actually just go Stoneforge Mystic and put in a, you know, a Batter Skull or something like that. Like, that seems sweet. I. Uh, there is, I think there's a lot of little things going on with this card where it, it seems like it should be very powerful, and I, I think it's been powerful in, in the games that I've watched with it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has the ability to do a lot. Another cool activated ability uh, I don't think I heard you say was Fiend Artisan. Playing it with that card mm. is sweet. Um, and then it also works with like its Postmortem Lunge ability, too. That's tr- very true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess milling three cards, getting maybe one more or two creatures, and then getting a creature back. Um, also, it doesn't target. That's another thing I, I kind of assumed, but, like, it doesn't target. You're milling, and then it's uh, you're just getting th- something back. So you can't even really interact with it. The same thing, I think, with Gyruda, right, where it mills them, and the cards aren't being removed yet. They're just setting your graveyard while you resolve the effect, uh, which I think is another really interesting piece to why this card is a little more powerful than people give credit for. Yeah, so I think you kind of spoiled it a bit there. You think this card is good. I do. Um, I really want to be a believer in this card, and I am not, Um, which is funny because I have lost to it. (laughs) But I just, I don't think it does enough for those decks. Uh, And I don't think it's this card's fault by any means. Like, I do think this card is good, but I just I don't think it, like, I don't know. People were so excited for this card, and I've seen one person have success with the archetype so far. And part of that could just be a lot of players are focused on Pioneer right now for the Pro Tour. It's definitely possible once more people start working on it, they go, yep, Tyvar's busted. That's like, this is stupid. Devoted Droids the best. Uh, but right now, I've been unimpressed. The only person I've seen have success with it is Dreams of Ashiak. And he was actually on a different podcast mm. that I was listening to this morning where he even said he thought the deck was, like, tier three. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely a deck that needs to... Think be, or a, a card that needs to be explored a little more. Um, and hopefully we get the it gets the chance. I mean, it seems... It's very cool when we get a Planeswalker that is not um, just busted out the gate. It's just a card that seems like it's a good role player and actually gets to fill that role in in a certain archetype, whether that is uh, a devoted druid combo deck, or maybe it's uh, something elves or something. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think we could keep talking about the card from the set. I, it seems like a very powerful set overall, but uh, we do need to wrap up, unfortunately. Um, so I guess where, where can people find you, Mapson? Uh, people can find me at MTGCon Philly all weekend where if you see me, you should say hi. I promise I'm not that scary. Um, I will probably have tokens on me if anybody wants those. Uh, if I think about it, I'll even grab the stickers that I usually don't have on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll be 
I'll be uh, playing sealed and doing stuff all weekend. So definitely, if you see me, come say hi. And of course, on Twitter at Expedition Map. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. If you're interested in finding the show, we're at Depth underscore Podcast on Twitter. Uh, once again, thank you to our patron for uh, you know supporting us. It means a lot. Um, and we hope to continue giving you great content, especially after this awesome weekend in Philly. So I guess I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye.